Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Of praise and what it does to us emotionally, relationally, neurologically, and in our marriages. Marriage. Marriage can be described as a lot of different things. One of my favorite definitions of marriage, because it's super idealistic, is by the um, author um, and Fuller Seminary professor, Dr. Ruth Haley Barton. And this is what she says marriage is. It's two individuals, love, who love and give to each other in such a way that both souls are nourished. A husband commits himself to love, nurture, and see that his wife has what she needs to be all that she is meant to be to the point of laying down his own comfort, indeed his very life. The wife gives to her husband out of the fullness that comes from being truly loved and nurtured into full personhood. Their balance and unity speak volumes to a world burdened with trying to find love in relationships fraught with domination, manipulation, power, struggles, and selfishness. I think it's beautiful. I think it's very idealistic, and it's not something I typically see, thankfully, because it's job security for me. This is what I saw and how I would describe the COVID marriage, okay? Two individuals loving and giving to themselves in such a way that only their souls can just survive. A husband commits to golf, Xbox, and hunting to make sure not to see his wife due to his own unending survival needs to the point of not laying down his golf clubs or his gaming controls and hunting gear for his own comfort, indeed preserving his very life. The wife gives to her husband out of the fullness that comes from truly loved wine, Netflix, and relentless crafting that has nurtured her will to live and hold on to her personhood. Their imbalance and lack of unity increases in volume due to an already burdened world trying to find love in relationships with marriages also fraught with domination, manipulation, power struggles, and selfishness. I make a job off of those marriages. <laughs> That's what we saw with the COVID marriages. And that was probably the volume on that was like, if it was at a four or five, definitely at a nine and a 10 coming through COVID. And here's what we saw from the, in the marriages. First of all, it was a, a refining process, and um, which could be a good thing. Like the, all the bad stuff comes to the surface and you kind of get to skim it off, right? The problem is sometimes the bad stuff came to the surface and then more bad stuff came to the surface and more bad stuff came to the surface. And it became a very overwhelming relationship for a lot of people. The things became very magnified, and the lack of coping skills, because you couldn't get out of the house and you had to see each other all the time, um, the little things is what started driving people over the edge. And of course, some of these couples I've worked with for a couple years or whatever, on and off, and um, things that used to bother them or not bother them suddenly really bothered them, and vice versa. If you're conflict avoided, then those people suddenly, the things that they were just avoiding to keep the peace, they were not avoiding anymore, and they started bringing out some things in the relationship that quite frankly needed to be addressed. So there was a refining that happened in the relationships, and things got really big very quickly and sometimes over-magnified. The fear increased, the love decreased. We definitely saw that um, where there was uh, just like this fear frenzy, and it was kind of the survival of the fittest. And it didn't just hit our nation or our communities, our cities and churches. It hit our marriages hard, too, in the sense of 
who gets the last piece of toilet paper? You know, who, who gets to be able to eat first? No. There was just this sense of drive, um, like something horrible was going to happen. I might, on a personal or a, a side note, I think it's probably a little bit too, is we don't really know what it's like as a country to have a lot of lack. So when we had a little bit of lack, we didn't cope well with it. And so we started coming at each other um, in our marriages. And when you lose control over something, you try to find something to have control over. And a lot of times it's people or your marriages or food or I can game more. I can watch another show on Netflix. Tiger King, anyone? Yeah. So this is what we started seeing, right, is that there's just this imbalance, too, that started happening, too, where people were working more. Um, than they'd ever worked. Uh, my husband and I have probably never worked harder in our, in our career than we did during COVID for that year that was supposed to be two weeks. Remember that? And it just kept going and kept going. And uh, then we had people that were not working. I think I went a year and a half with nobody doing my hair. My husband blessedly stepped in. Uh, I won't say anything more about that because I'm just glad he helped on that. But yeah, it was just a process, right? We lost our support systems a lot of times too. And people were on the front lines doing a lot of work. Our nurses, God bless them, our teachers. I can't imagine they recreate an entire system overnight. So we had a lack of balance um, happening too. The good thing though that happened is there was increase of family time, recreational stuff, um, got uh, recreational trailers, uh, campers, everything went through the roof for sales. The pets all got uh, adopted through the Humane Society, right? So there were some good things that came out of it. Creativity uh, really soared. Uh, my, my son dubbed it the COVID cozies. I took up knitting never knitted, suddenly I became a knitter, did 20 blankets, you know, those ones by hand, did that, gave them away to friends who probably didn't even want them, but I needed to give them away and uh, enjoyed it, did a lot of beading, um, found myself doing writing, wrote a couple books, um, and it just put me in kind of in this introspective place, things that we wanted to get done that we didn't get done over the time. Finished, my husband finished his doctorate a year behind me in my doctorate. I got to graduate and walk, he did not. Uh, I got the honor to hood him. That's a whole nother story we won't talk about, but I did need to get more education on how to put that doctorate hood on. That's all I can say. I'm still the talk of the university on what not to do. Um, <laughs> so bottom line is our marriages took a big hit. And um, we really struggled to say, hey, how can we help and heal our marriages today? They are still reeling from the effects of that. And even my husband and I, who have been married for quite a while, we felt the strain of that too, even just in our own personal marriage. And we refined some things and retuned some things. And what the one tool, again, that I'd like to offer is the power of praise. The power of praise. I could just tell you all the studies and things to go with that, but just trust me when I say it is so important to praise your partner. So important to praise your partner. So what, what exactly, oh, okay, here's the thing. When I was thinking about praise, the cheesy image came to mind to me about praise, right? Where it's the, you know, it's the raising the hands and the sun setting behind you and the wind slowly moving the wheat field, you know, type of thing, praising. It's like this really serene process. Personally, I think praise can be a very raw, courageous, real process to praise your partner when you don't want to, praise God when you actually want to have a few words with him, and then praise yourself when you're not performing to the level that you would like to. So what exactly is praise? Praise is defined as a feeling of wonder, pleasure, and approval. Accolades, applause, appreciation, cheer, compliments, devotion, esteem, glory, kudos, 
okay? Ovation, a rave, a recognition, thanks, tribute, boost. Wouldn't that be nice for us all to have that? In James, it says, with our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings come out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. That's kind of the words that I was saying to a lot of the couples. Basically, pull yourselves together. This cannot go on. Center yourself. Of course, that was coming to me as well. Pull myself together. Come on. We have to learn, and I had to learn more than ever, more than ever the importance of praise and appreciation. That's probably the biggest thing that came out of me personally and professionally. If anybody has worked with me, I'm now about very much about thanking and praising my couples. You've got this. I get, apparently I say it so much, somebody got me a sign. It's in my office. You got this. I'm like, just read the sign. You got this. That's something that's so important for us to know and to normalize and to be able to say, hey, you got this. We got to praise each other. So basically, we need to praise God, but we need to also praise each other. Leading relationship um, experts, Dr. John and Julie Gottman, if you're not familiar with their work, really great work, because I like it's based on science. And they studied two different groups in relationships and marriages, and they call them the masters and the disasters. I always hope I'm in the masters group, but the masters group and the disasters group, the one defining factor between the two was that the masters learned to praise each other and compliment each other. They did it so well that they did it 87% of the time when a partner went to go say, hey, did you see this on the movie? They weren't on their phones. They were looking. They were turning towards their partner. They were complimenting. When you gave a compliment, the other person gave a, um, a compliment back. It was just this give and take in a relationship. The disasters, on the other hand, 33% of the time were not praising. I mean, 33% of the time they were praising. The rest of the time they were not and the big defining distinction between the two of them is the masters were scanning the relationship. You'd have to do that 87% of the time. Scanning, looking for how is this working? How is this working? The disasters were scanning the relationship going, how is this broken? How is this broken? What's the mistakes you're making? And we're not answering when they're called to, um, not giving attention to one another. So the magic ratio that came out of this, he says, is what makes relationship thrive is five to one. Five positives for every one negative is what makes relationships not just exist, but thrive, grow, and become what it is that you want it to be. He says the masters, I can hardly believe this, did 20 to 1. 20 positives every one negative. I tried this one day. I got to 12, and I was exhausted. I really did not know what else to say to my husband. I thought, oh, no, I might not be a master, but at least I got to 12. And uh, I, I think a lot of times, too, is we forget to look at those inner qualities we love about people and to be able to call those out. Contempt was the number one thing that caused the relationships to fail. It hurts the love in the relationship, but the other thing it does and this is important to know if you ever go through another global pandemic, it hurts your immune system. It sets you up more for viruses and uh, cancer. So being mean to each other, having this contempt, not being present for each other, affirming each other, actually is really bad on your health. So the benefits of praise, here they are. Put this up on the screen. Praise increases positive emotions and thoughts. It makes you more aware and awake. It increases your self-satisfaction, enhances your moods, increases your immune system, decreases body pains and aches, 
provides optimum blood pressure and cardiac functioning, improves sleep and wake cycles, improves communication, increases empathy, develops stronger interpersonal relationships, increases likability, that's kind of a no-brainer, among group members, inspires involvement as a team member, and releases dopamine, with, which boosts moods tied to pleasure and addiction. We can actually become addicted to praise. Isn't that great? And we can actually move from the back part of our brain, the amygdala part of their brain, which is the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and move to the front part of our brain, which is the prefrontal co cortex. It's the biggest part of the brain, and this is where we're supposed to live. When we went through the global pandemic, a lot of us were living back here. The good news, research reveals, the people that live in this part of the brain, these are the dominant people. That means if a person that comes in the front part of the brain comes together with this person who's in the fight-flight part of the brain, the person that's in this part dominates. So the next time that you're afraid and somebody's reaching for that last thing of toilet paper on the shelf, you might try coming to a different place in your brain and saying, it's okay, you have it, it's gonna be all right. We're gonna all be all right. Because that's very contagious. Fear is contagious. If you don't believe me, just yell shark at a beach, right? Fear is very contagious, but brain, the, the brain on love is far more contagious and far more, far more powerful. Last week, Jake and I went to Bend, Oregon, celebrating our 29th year anniversary. Thank you. That deserves some applause. We came through COVID, 29 years, and marriage therapists. We had a wonderful time. We were out on a hike. We were looking around and uh, beautiful. I was looking out over the beautiful Live, uh, river and uh, mountains and uh, just enjoying it, taking some deep breaths. Jake comes trotting up behind me and uh, notices this, the water pump sitting there, a water pump at the, by the river, and then there's this hose that was leaking. First thing he says is, they're wasting a lot of water. I was like, didn't even notice that? Don't you see all of this, you know? So it was when I was kind of meditating and praying on this sermon, so I'm like, I'm being extra careful to be praising, so I didn't say anything out loud, but I just, other than saying, it's beautiful and it's gorgeous, you know, probably with a little edge to it. And then I, I kept trotting along and I'm going, God, he's so negative. Again, my private voice, proud of myself, I wasn't putting it out there. And saying, guys, negative, man, all he can see is what doesn't work and, you know, what doesn't, what's broken and wants to fix it and with the waste. And all of a sudden, I feel like it was probably God's spirit because it probably didn't come out of my prefrontal cortex, but said, basically, you're talking about you need to praise your, your husband. So I started privately thinking about, you know what, I'm so glad my husband knows things that aren't broken because that means I don't have to find it. I'm so glad that he fixes things. I'm so glad that he doesn't, he's so, he abhors waste and he's such a good steward. I'm so glad he sees the broken things in me and loves me and helps put me back together in some of my dark days and hard times. And by the end of that walk, man, I was back to really appreciating and loving my, my husband. Because you see, praise builds love and appreciation for your partner. So express praise to your partner when you want to criticize that's the hardest thing to do. Express praise. I'm not telling you to ignore things, be in denial. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that we got to get more master relationships so we can praise. My mother was big on praise. And uh, she was also a teacher and, uh, and a therapist. And her, uh, she taught me a lot. One of her parenting philosophies is say yes as much as possible and to teach people through praise. And so as a young kid, I grew up being praised quite a bit, affirmed, loved for who I was. 
Um, so it was an easy shift when I came in to be a middle school teacher, and they taught me about positive reinforcement, that you try to get change behavior through positive reinforcement. Psychologists also call this positive manipulation, changing the behavior. So, so I remember sitting in my class and teaching, and I'm the, the, I had half the kids who were ADHD on medication, or should have been on medication. It was a very unruly class. The teacher had left two months into the school year. I come bopping in, new teacher, they're like, oh yeah, we'll take you. I don't even think she looked at my credentials. I'm sure she's like, you're a warm body, get in that classroom. It was such a difficult class, and I was constantly having to create a culture of appreciation and respect. And one of the things that I learned to do, even that was so hard when they'd all start talking and, and coming you know, louder and um, not doing their work, I'd see one little girl, Annie, sitting there doing her work. And I'd say, Annie, beautiful job. Thank you so much for doing your work. Boy, this makes my job easy. All of a sudden, they'd all look around and see Annie, and they get to doing their work. You know, or they're all talking at once and trying to raise their hand. And I'd be like, oh, Caleb, thank you for raising your hand and not just calling out. And then they're all sitting there, you know, pick me, pick me. And that's when I learned the power of affirmation, of positive reinforcement. Turns out there's a study on this, and that's exactly what they predicted, that, that, that teachers that praise the students have greater academic achievement and even better report card grades. Um, because they are getting corrected and disciplined, if you will, through a lot of positive affirmation. The key on this is don't react to bad behavior with reprimands, but do praise with positivity to get some of the changes. Because praise improves people's behavior and performance. We use praise instead of criticism to inspire improved behavior. Try that with your partner. It's great practice ground. Our marriages are great practice ground to literally practice our faith and what we believe in that works. I hear this a lot as a counselor. God doesn't say much about marriage in the Bible. The one scripture that a lot of us probably know if we've grown up in church is men are the head, women submit, okay, which has been completely butchered in my opinion, misinterpreted, has created a lot of job security, shall we say for me too on that too, because it's just not, doesn't work really well when you're constantly imposing a value on somebody that they might not have. And so one of the things that I took in, into my studies, I just really wanted to study this and see what is, what is the relationship um, with, with peep God, and, or excuse me, with marriages and um, with churches. And I started realizing that if we take the same principles that God speaks to the churches and we apply it to our marriages, we actually might get somewhere. And we might start to fall into that category of master relationships where we're building each other up. We're operating with humility, equity, equal submission, loving each other, right? This is the stuff what God says to us. And ironically, he talks about the church as being his bride. So he uses the analogy of marriage for the church. So this is where we have to remember that that marriage piece is such a beautiful design, a divine design that God has created for us to be able to come together and to learn really how to practice the principles of faith and how to love each other. The church isn't out there. The church is here with you and your partner. I like to call marriages many churches. So when God says to speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one is left out. No one left behind. And I, he says, I know you're already doing this. This is the next slide, Brandon. And just keep on doing this. This is in 1 Thessalonians the importance of speaking encouraging words to one another and building each other up, not leaving anyone out. Isn't that great? 
basically everybody gets praised. You get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. Everybody gets it. <laughs> so praise strengthens and encourages marriages and the church because marriages are many churches. Again, I'm going to say that again. Praise strengthens and encourages marriages and the church because marriages are many churches. we got to work together. Marriages got to encourage the churches, and the churches got to encourage the marriages. And that is the, uh, the crux of actually my um, dissertation work, my, my doctorate work, is how do we do this, and how do we do this well? Sometimes one can really discourage the other in one way or, or another. Um, Callie came into my office, Callie, and uh, she said, Jen, you keep telling me the benefits of praying and meditating, and, uh, and again, I can give you tons of studies on that, but just suffice to say, just do it. It's really good for you. It heals your brain, your body, everything. She goes, but I just can't do it. I can't concentrate, and I get more anxious and nervous when I pray. I was like, all right, well, tell me what you're praying. So she goes, okay. So I'm praying, God, help me not to fail at my work. Help me not to uh, fail at this test and my exam. Um, help my kids not to get on drugs. Help my husband to get out of porn. Um, help me. Um, she's going on and on. Help me, nobody to leave, him not to leave me because I can't raise these kids alone. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, I'm getting anxious. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Again, my private voice, you know, poor God, listen to that. So I was like, okay, all right, all right. I hear what you're hoping against. Tell me what you're hoping in. Who are you praying to? You know. Sometimes when we have our worries, we can just ruminate on our worries and they go round and round and round. We have to remember who we're praying to and what kind of a God we're praying in. Nothing drives that home better than a global pandemic. Who is this God? Who is my partner? What is marriage? What am I doing? And how do I move to that better place? We don't practice these things when life is going great. We have a choice to practice this when the bottom is falling out in our lives. And that's when we have to dig deep and figure out, okay, how am I going to make this difference and how am I really going to practice my faith? David, I love, I love David in the Psalms. If he was alive today and he came to a therapist's office, I think people would, he would be diagnosed as bipolar because he's all over the place. He's like, I love you, God. You're amazing. And then, how could you have left me? Nobody loves me. I'm the spawn of Satan, you know. So he's all over in the Psalms. But in Psalms 119, um, I love this Psalms. And what I'd like for you to do on this, and this is just a little bit of reflective time for you too, because if any of you are like Callie, and I can certainly relate with her as well, sometimes prayer becomes this just worry obsessiveness. And we have to remember, who are we praying to? Is he really that powerful? Can he make a difference? So go ahead and, Brandon, and stick that up on the screen. Psalms 119. There's two things I want you to do on this. I want you to listen to the praise of who, who, who David says that God is. And then I want you to listen to his petitions. But also, I want you to secondly pick a petition that you have, or concern, or fear, or relationship that's broken, or the hurts in your marriage, or the, uh, the, the heartaches with your children, all of these things. God hears all of this, and he knows your heart. I want you to think about this as I read this through. Pray this quietly to yourself. Let my cry come right into your presence, God. Provide me with the insight that comes only from your word. Give my request your personal attention. Sometimes we struggle. Does God really care about my need? Let praise cascade off my lips. After all, you've taught me the truth about life and let your promises ring from the t my tongue. 
every order you've given is right. Do we really believe that? Next slide. Put your hand out and steady me. Since I've chosen to live by your counsel, I'm homesick. homesick. God, for your salvation. I love it when you show yourself. Invigorate my soul so I can praise you well. That's my favorite part. Sometimes we don't have what it takes to even praise God. And sometimes we need help praising him. Don't be afraid to ask him for that. Use your decrees to put iron in my soul. And should I wander off like a lost sheep, seek me. Don't let me wander off. Don't let me get lost. I'll recognize the sound of your voice. Isn't that beautiful? It's Psalms 119. That's something you can pray anytime you want. When you start to feel those worries come out, you can hear David's heart crying there and saying, gosh, just let my cry come before you. Hear who I am. Let me be remembered about who you are, God. And please just invigorate me. Let what you have to say actually make a difference in my life. We can hear all this stuff, but sometimes it just goes in one ear and out the other. And we need God's help oftentimes just to even believe in God. And there is no shame in that. Praise keeps us present with God and not present with our problems. Praise keeps us present with God and not present with our problems. When you pray, praise God for the hopes and promises he's given you and for who he is, even if you haven't experienced it yet. I like this little saying for me. Pause to praise in your petition because I like to go right in, and God, another thing, and blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like Callie. I'm getting really nervous and anxious in my prayer and my meditation. And really what I need is to be able to remember who and what I'm praying to. I can talk about praising marriages. I can talk about you all praising each other. The hardest relationship I have to give praise to, and some of you will relate on this, is your relationship with yourself. That is so hard. Sometimes I'm going, oh, I don't think I did that right. I'm sure I could have been better in that. I'm sure I could have been a better mother. I'm sure I could have been a better wife. I'm sure I could have done this right. But one of the things we have to remember is really the true essence of who we are. And I love the image of a clay pot and this bright light coming out of it. And if anybody's ever seen that, next slide there. A lot of times it's been used, if you're familiar with Christian doctrine, you know, God is the light, you're the, the clay pot that needs to get broken away so God can see be seen in your life. I think it's great. It might work for somebody. It did not work for me. What I needed to know is, hey, who, whose image am I made in? I'm made in the image of a perfect being who is full of light and love. That means I'm full of light and love. And it's my job to reflect the image of who he is. And him and I can work in partners together, but it's not like he just erases me and pulls me out and just says, I'm just going to fill you up. It's like we're together on this. And those broken parts in that pottery just needs to be pulled away. The unforgiveness, the anger, the rage, the fear, that's the stuff that blocks the light of me being the true essence of who I am. Paul Young, if anybody familiar with him, of author of The Shack, he's a friend of mine. One of the things he said to me that really has impacted my life is he defines sin as not being the true essence of who you are. Not being the true essence of who you are is sin. We are all have a very important job to do on this planet. I don't know what it is, and even as a therapist, I always tell people, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I'm going to help you figure out who you need to be, and I want to be your best partner and your best friend in trying to do that. Uh, this has also led us to, with the whole um, 
uh, fear is the opposite of fear is that love, that love-centered. So one of the things Jake and I have done is this love-centered leadership. And I wanted to show you this model that we use because one of the biggest things is if you don't matter, then you can't make sure that other people matter or your marriage or your team matters. So one of the top questions that need to be answered, go ahead, Brandon, and put that. There it is. Love-centered leadership answers the questions, how do I matter? How do you matter? And then how do we matter as a marriage, as a team, as a church, as a community, as a nation, as a world, right? So it starts with you, but what comes first before you, yourself, how do you matter, is the love. The love, what is your love source? Who are you praying to? Who is crazy about you? I tell my clients, ah, you can borrow my God. You know, I have to believe in a God who's so crazy about me, he doesn't want heaven without me. That's who I have to pray to every day. And he's crazy about how he made me, and he can't wait to meet with me. That's my love source. Pick whoever you want. You can borrow my God, too. That is such an important thing to remember is where we get in our love. We cannot just get it from ourselves or each other. We do have to find another uh, divine place to be able to get this. And, of course, then being able to give it to each other. So praise for yourself fuels you to be better to praise others. Praise for yourself fuels, fuels you to be better to praise others. You cannot give what you do not have, and you were not made from light. And, you were made from light and love. So be light and love. Just be it. You, that's what you're designed to be. All right, now I'm going to ask my husband and colleague and best friend to come up here, Dr. Jake Dean Hill, and he's going to give the final point. I did not know all of what he was going to say. He just goes, I want to give one point, Jen. That's all I want to give. I'm like, all right, you give the one point. So I know a little bit what it's about, but not entirely. So here he is. Go ahead, baby. Thanks, honey. Incredible message. And I'm so honored to be able to be a part of this message, especially on this special day, honoring mothers and wives. And so uh, it's such an important focus. And I am giving a message to the husbands. So husband to husband, the message is the power of praise for your wife, praising her by taking her influence. Now, this is something that takes a marriage from me to we because it's a relationship where we can influence each other and experience more strength and unity. And so I can't tell you how much better of a man I am because of my wife. And it brings me to tears most of the time because uh, I don't know where I'd be after 29 years of, of being sharpened. Uh, in fact, Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One person sharpens another, and uh, she's my best friend, so of course she sharpens me. Now, some of you go, yeah, I don't know if I always like to be sharpened because there's sparks involved usually. Very true, very true, but as you take each other's influence, that is a sharpening process. The other verse I love is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Very cozy. Um, but how can one be warm alone? Good question. 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I love how that ends with adding God to the mix of that. Now, Jen mentioned earlier about the researcher, marriage researcher, John Gottman in Seattle. He says that husbands who learn to take the influence of their wives are exponentially more, have marital satisfaction, have success in their marriage. Now, you might be saying, well, don't women need to take influence on their husbands? Yeah, but the problem is our culture automatically teaches women that. But us men are way behind that in terms of taking the influence of our wives. And so we get to become better men because of that. And when we grow in that, it makes a huge difference. Now, taking the influence does not mean that we just tolerate and we just go, oh, I just got to put up with her differences. It means that we appreciate who she is and how different she is and how she can make us better. Now, early in our marriage, I did not get this. And I learned a lot of things the hard way. And boy, do I have regrets because there was so much influence that I could have gained from her that would have saved me a lot of heartache. And I wish, I wish, I wish I learned that sooner. Um, but sometimes uh, it doesn't always make sense to my logical brain because women do actually have a sixth sense. And she would know things that I don't have no idea how she knows, but I should listen, and even though it's not logical. Now, ironically, the area that I think my wife influenced me the most is how to honor and have a relationship with my mom and my family. Now, on Mother's Day, I'm grateful for that. She taught me uh, how to listen to her, how to honor her, how to connect with her. There were so many things where my wife would be like, oh, your mom loves that. Oh, your mom, oh, your mom never wouldn't want that. Oh, your mom, and I go, I never noticed these things. I feel so embarrassed. I have been, <laughs> I've been with my mom for 52 years. Like, I don't even know these things. How do you know this? But she paid attention to those things, and she taught me to pay attention to those things with my mom so I could honor her. My mom got so much better gifts once Jen came along. <laughs> I was a horrible gift giver. Uh, but I'm so grateful how she taught me, too, to um, connect with family, too and how she did special things for my family and said, hey, don't, don't we want to you know, pull the family together? And I'm like, that's a good idea. I haven't thought about that because I'm just in my logical brain just you know, doing my thing. And so she taught me how to cherish that. And one time we had a whole family gathering and she made matching outfits for all of the kids. And so we had these great photos and, and, and just made such special memories. Um, so let me give you a couple special um, simple ways to take her influence. Listen to her voice. Listen to your wife's voice. She's wise, believe me. Pay attention to who she is and what matters to her. Pay attention. I talk, we talk a lot about this in our book, uh, Two Crowns, One Kingdom. The other thing is honor her leadership and influence in the areas that she's strong in. My wife has so many strengths that I don't have 
And when I listen to those, I'm a better man. So there is truly power in praising your wife by taking her influence. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Thanks, Annie. That was awesome. Really, really good. So I just want to say, too, because there's always the big but, right? But, but what about I cannot praise my partner? You don't know what he's done to me. You don't know what she's done to me. She doesn't even praise me ever in front of my friends, puts me down, my wife, my husband, that neither one of us can, can say any kind, loving word to our, each other. There's been infidelity. There's been loss. There's been betrayal. I guess I, what I want to say to you is we can't wait to praise people for them being good. We have to learn how to praise people simply because they're people and they're made in the image of a perfect being, full of light and love. And that's what we have to start looking and focusing on and calling out the greatness I think that's one of our main jobs as partners is calling out the greatness in each other. We were made. We were made to praise. God speaks this to us to praise him, to praise each other. Uh, neuroscientists, psychologists, all of the work, attachment theorists point to the fact that we are better humans when we give and we receive praise. So the big thing I want to say is you praise because it benefits you because it benefits the world that you live in, the relationships that you connect in. When we communicate value for others, we improve behavior and performance, we improve our communities, our churches, our workplaces, everything gets better, everything grows. So in closing, here's the points for you to remember. Through the power of praise, it builds love and appreciation for your partner, it improves people's behavior and performance, it strengthens and encourages marriages and the church and beyond. It keeps us present with God and not present with our problems. It is for yourself. It fuels you to better praise others. You've got to praise you. You've got to affirm yourself, self-affirmation. It gives you strength and unity as you take influence. And again, closing, if there's one thing you can remember, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I love this church. We refer so many people here too. I love the wear love thing. I love the safety that you all present, the psychological safety, the value for humans, all different types. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Bless your pastors. They do incredible work, your leaders. It was so fun being here at the 8.30. Not so fun being here early, but it was fun seeing everybody here, like busy bees working. The music team, a beautiful job on that. Those songs are incredible. If you've not thanked them, these people have been here early serving. Thank them. Thank them for the work they do. The sound people in the back, too. Thank you again so much. What an honor being here. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.